Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You know, it's still kind of new that Jake is not on this team. And I saw something really interesting yesterday. And I, I like Paul, uh, Paul Heyman. John Heyman. He used to come on our show a lot. But I know show a lot. But I know John Heyman's agenda. It's very, very obvious. He's clearly mad at DeGrom because either he didn't like Jake's politics or he didn't like that Jake didn't give him interviews. So Heyman, for the last two months, has taken shot after shot after shot at DeGrom. He wants to write a piece about Verlander. Let's take a shot at DeGrom. And it's become obvious, and it's become painful. But the other day, Jacob DeGrom is a smart guy. He fed the animals. He said, okay, you want to keep taking shots at me? I'll give you your exclusive interview. I'm going to give it to you, all right? I'm going to give you your quotes, and then maybe... Your single white female obsession you have of me will go away. (laughs) I'm going to try. So Jake gave an interview to John Heyman in the New York Post and basically said what any sane person knew. I thought I'd be back. I liked New York. The Texas Rangers gave me a lot of money in a lot of years. And while he didn't say that point blank, that's the impression I got from him. He said, I'm not bitter about the old contract I had. I signed it. But basically said, I never disliked New York. That's not why I'm gone. Anyone would realize the reason he's gone is because one team gave him five years at $36 million a clip, and the other team wasn't willing to give him more than two years. That's why he left. And so I, it's fascinating to me that Jake finally gave the interview to a publication and to a guy who spends all his time taking cheap shots at him. So keep an eye on this, everybody. Let's see if the cheap shots stop. Let's see if feeding the animals actually worked. Now that I got that off my chest, you ready to troll? Go ahead. Troll, Mr. Troll. You got something to say? I got advice. Don't let this go on forever. Don't let this guy live rent-free in your head. I said that a couple months back. When uh, I think I was listening to Lugie, and he was talking about the article where Buck Showalter and DeGrom allude to, like, there's a real story. There's more than we know about right. what, what went on, and one day we'll get that story. Fast forward to, to now, today, we have this latest story. This is going to keep going on. Move on. It's obvious why he's no longer a Met. It's a money thing. He took an offer that he could not refuse. If you let this guy live rent-free, and I already know you're planning on doing this, you're going to watch the Mets, and then you're going to stay up to watch Rangers versus <laughs> Oakland A's in the Coliseum. You're going to score his games. You're going to be watching his every move. It's going to consume you. You're trying to win a World Series with the club that you have. He's a part of the old Mets. He's not 
part of these Mets. It doesn't matter what stories are told or who says what. The reality is his time is over here. And like you said, you know, he's gone. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, but my issue with you is the night he left, you gave us no time to grieve. You tweeted right at me. Oh, that's me. not my job. My job is not to give you. <laughs> that's not in not my job, job description. No, when the, when the mic's on, I got to go with what I feel. And I feel like talking to Yankees fans as I do every single day, the Yankees fans were like, oh, wait, what happened? Yeah, because you You've never... got the big money owner. You got the new George Steinbrenner in town, right? There's a new sheriff in town. He can buy everyone. He didn't pay to keep your guy? Yeah, well, why? Wait, that's your modern-day Tom Seaver. Why didn't they pay to keep him, though? And that was my question. Like, my question was, and it, it's still there. Because, like, Kyrie, he doesn't show up for work. Oh, come on. Don't compare the two. <laughs> Don't compare the Jacob DeGrom had injury problems the last two years. How could I deny that, right? He pitched in 2020. He pitched in 2019. He pitched in 20. Like, I keep going. Like, the guy had injuries for two years. What have you done for me lately? How many starts was it last you know, year? You know what he did 11, for me? 11, you know 12 did for me? with the postseason, you know, something like that? You know what he did for me lately? He and won no that one this. game in the wild card He was series. the only starting pitcher, and that includes Big Money Max, who showed up. Whether it was the series against Atlanta, we're all killing him for six innings, three runs. You know what? I would have signed for six innings, three runs from the other stiff. He didn't exactly give that. So what has he done for me lately? You're right. He missed the first half of the year. What he did for me lately is he showed up in October. And I can't say that about any other, really anybody outside of Jeff McNeil. Well, they didn't want to invest in him potentially not showing up again or him not being available again. I will say about DeGrom, he shows up. He knows when it's a big game. He knows when he's needed. Uh, He'll have six you think, he faked an injury? you think he faked an injury? I, I won't say that, that anyone faked an injury. Then what are you saying? I'll never know. What I'm saying is he knows when it's not important. He knows when he can take his time. He knows when he doesn't have to physically be there. He was there at the end of the season. So what drives me nuts is you're saying something a lot of people think. I want you to know that. Like, you're not saying something crazy. There are a lot of Met fans, Met fans that is, who are going to say, thank you, Keith. He's speaking the truth. Yet I think you and everyone else, I think you guys are so full of crap. Like, what are you talking about? He had a scrapula injury. Love like, is blind. It was a real... You're right. Love is blind. You're right. Don't use my love against me. He had real <laughs> you injuries. Love Grom. You'll never see through the fact that, like, this guy was not available the last two seasons. Yeah, he, he wasn't was here. because he was hurt. Yeah, but, like, there's a difference hurt. between being hurt and injured. Injured is you, you can't go. Why did he have to when, – when I was following him last year, I'm like, how many minor league starts is this guy going to make? That's the Mets being careful, though. Why do you have to, why do you have to be so careful with a guy that's going to command $200 million the next offseason? You want to be careful because they prioritized October. And, and by the way, going into this season, less so with Cole because he really is reliable. I give him a lot of credit. I do the same thing. I prioritize making sure that my old men starting pitchers are ready to go when it matters the most. Jake is old? No, no. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. In oh, DeGrom's now. case, it was more that he wasn't healthy. And that's why you were managing being careful. You have to. Because as we saw last year, you could have a 2-2-5 ERA. That's great. If you suck in a postseason game. It's do or die. You the see end. the way people react? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I look, I look at DeGrom. As a guy that wasn't available enough, I look at DeGrom as a guy that was all you had for a while, right? Yes. It was over. DeGrom day. You could look forward to that. Might not have any run support for the guy, but you you know what he's going to be when he's on the mound. He already took a discount. He took less from the Mets. He, he wasn't going to take less from the Mets again. So here we are where, you know, you have Steve Cohen. He can buy everyone. He's, he's the greatest owner of all time, all this stuff. But, like, the one thing that Mets fans can look at him sideways about 
you didn't lock up DeGrom, and we were sure of that. We were sure that you were going to, like, our guy, make sure that he didn't play in another jersey, and now he lives rent-free in Mets fans' heads, and he's going to be a Texas Ranger. Is he living rent-free in my head? Because I think I speak for the minority who say, hey, I love Jake. I wish they brought him back. I'm not rooting at will for him. But I think the majority of Mets fans, and I, I try to be careful in saying this isn't just judging Twitter, but unfortunately, that is something we look at. It seems like most Met fans hate his guts. Most yeah. Met fans say he hated New York. He couldn't wait to leave. He faked his injuries. But there's no reason to He's hate this him. And that. In my opinion. I agree. Bro, I agree with you. He took the most money. You got to forget about it. Did you hate Robbie Cano? No. How I, could you? He took the most no. money. And I then, agree. Then we heard that, like... <laughs> They didn't have the uh, Dominican food out there that he likes. <laughs> he wasn't feeling it. I'm like, well, what'd you expect? What'd you expect? You went to Seattle. I'm never going to be staying up to watch Robinson Cano's at-bats against the Angels. Goodbye. And I, I mean, I joked with you. I'm like, we ended up with Brian Roberts, your cousin, uh, at second base the next year. <laughs> but it is what it is. We moved on. And uh, now when you look at the Robinson Cano story, his best years were with the Yankees. The, you, it turns out that the Yankees made the right decision. They made the right Now, move. in the moment. Were you no, okay? I was mad with, at Jay-Z. Were you mad at the Yankees, though? Because the Yankees could have been higher. They got outbid. At the time, the Yankees outbid. went that next offseason. They got Masahiro Tanaka, Brian McCann, Carlos Beltran, yeah, that Jacoby Ellsbury. Um, yeah, Jacoby Ellsbury was the essential replacement. Essentially was the replacement for Robbie Cano. They just spent the money elsewhere. So I couldn't be that mad that you didn't. You didn't pay the money for Robinson Cano because maybe you knew something that we maybe you knew about the PEDs. Maybe clearly you knew something that we didn't know. Uh, I, I love this swing. I love how he played. It was he was so smooth. He went and repped us at the home run derby. He was the guy, right? And he was a young guy. Mm-hmm. But that ended. Jay Z, Rock Nation, they took him to Seattle, and I was mad at Jay Z more than Robinson Cano. I'm like, they're just gonna get the biggest money that they can get for him. And the Yankees have made a hard line to, hey, you're our guy. This is what you're worth. We're, we're not paying anymore. So long. And by the way, most guys do that. I mean, Aaron Judge, I, I guess I give him credit. He took less to stay. The San Diego Padres were clearly willing to go further. But most guys are just going to take the biggest contract. And I don't blame guys for doing that. That's the nature of free agency. Well, for the Yankees, you got to care about your legacy. And I think Aaron Judge has spoken to the fact that he's a Yankee. And he cares about only wearing that one hat and the pinstripes. And now he's the captain. He never really was going anywhere. He just needed the Yankees to put respect on his name. And they did. And that's their fault that you it cost them $150 million above what they thought they were going to pay him opening day last year. You weren't year. worried when Arson Judge was headed to the Giants for those 35 seconds? It wasn't a part of you saying, I appreciated oh, that. I appreciated, uh, shout out to John Heyman forever for that one. <laughs> that was the greatest pump fake of all time. Because every Yankee fan felt what it felt like for a few minutes. We thought we, thought we lost Judge. After the season he had, we 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 got to feel that for about four minutes, and it didn't feel right. And then I think that swung things in the Yankees' favor. I remember, and I hate to keep going back to Cashman, but I remember watching coverage of winter meetings, and they're asking Brian Cashman, like, hey, when are you meeting with Judge? There's rumor that Judge is coming. Well, you know, the player, I haven't been in touch with the player. He's a free agent. He's your guy. Right. You have his number? Text him. Call him. How do you not? How are you not aware of what Judge is doing? Someone can steal him from us. And when that didn't go down, I literally set the clock in my head. I'm like, oh, the Giants have about 24 hours to make this report right, for this to be correct. If if not, it swings in the favor of the Yankees. Hal Steinbrenner in Italy. <laughs> yes. Wait, you said Arson what? Arson Aaron Judge? He meant Aaron Judge to the Giants? We didn't hear any of that. Get Aaron on the phone with me now, please. 
The rest is history. Imagine opening day at Yankee Stadium nope. March 30th if Arson Judge nope. is being announced as a member of the San Francisco Giants. Nope. Don't have to imagine <laughs> that. I, I know. Unfortunately, I may have to imagine Jacob DeGrom walking through that door in August as a member of the Texas Rangers. Yeah, we play everybody now. Another change to baseball. I can't wait to see what that's like. I haven't decided if I like that or not. I, I think I'm yet. like back and forth. Yeah, I kind of have to see it, really. Let's go to Josh in New Jersey. What's up, Josh? Hey, um, so I was actually at that Oliver Perez game uh, that you were talking about, and um, I took it as an advantage to walk around the field because I, like you, don't like to miss a second of a game, whether I'm at the game or watching it or, you know, whatever. So I said, this game doesn't count. Oliver Perez is god-awful. And I walked around the entire stadium, and it was great, you know, getting to see, you know, brand-new city fields. So that was very exciting. But um, one of the other reasons why I call this, I never call when Craig is there because he would make fun of me for this. But um, I have my three kids in the car. One, my daughter's name is Brooke. I named her after Brooke Lopez. <laughs> my son's name is Jacob. He was named after Jacob DeGrom. Oh, my God. You're and a man of my heart, bro. Real one. <laughs> His middle name is Daniel, and he is named after Daniel Murphy. Wow. So, but unfortunately, he's a Yankees fan somehow. He's six years old, wow. and he roots for the Yankees. Wow. Somehow converted, but yeah. I don't think Craig would have made fun of you. I don't. No, I actually really? changed my mind. No, he would. he would. I think that's awesome, though. That's tremendous. And I want to make something very, very clear. My son is not named after the New York Jets. I know people like to think that. It fits very well. It's just a cool name that starts with the letter J. That's just the way it is. It is a cool name. And as he gets older, he can decide. Like, if, if the Jets are better, which they should be better by the time he's older, so. with some of the guys that they have on this roster, he can walk around and say, yeah, I'm Jet, named <laughs> after the New York Jets. <laughs> by the way, you're not going to know what this means, and that's okay. At some point on this show, and I think Big Mac and Lugie will get it, I'm going to give you the Puerto Rico test. All right? This is a very – people are going to learn a lot about you when you take the Puerto Rico test. Been there once. You guys have no you guys idea about the Puerto Rico test? No idea. Rico. Oh, really? Didn't I know we? about the annexation of When Puerto you announced Rico. that I was joining WFAN and taking over the night shift on this show, Tommy called me. I was in Puerto Rico Where with my wife. Yeah. Okay, great. The Puerto Rico test has nothing to do with Puerto Rico. All right. Just a nickname for a very important <laughs> test in which we're going to learn a lot about Keith McPherson. We'll do that a little bit later on. You don't want to miss the Puerto Rico test. Let's go to Corey in Virginia. What's up, Corey? Uh, doing good. Uh, I'm a, uh, now transplanted to Virginia in the last 10 years. I still go up to Met games. at season tickets, weekend season tickets. Evan, I used to sit right by you and your dad when you were young. He used to yell at you about using the copy machine too much to make uh, scorecards. <laughs> I don't know if you remember those. I sat right next to you in the in the field level over there. Um, I got married at Chase Stadium in 2000. I have a daughter named Shay, by the way. Um, if I had another son, I would have named him Seaver, uh, just to add to your conversation. But I'm a baseball traditionalist. But just go back on YouTube and go watch the 1955 World Series. Go watch games in the 60s. These guys never stepped out of the box. So all these people saying, oh, this is taken away from the pay- – games were two hours and two and a half hours. I used to take my son every weekend – since he was three years old up until we moved. And I remember the first time I took him to a basketball game down here, a UVA basketball game, right. and it was over in two hours. He goes, that was fun, Dad. It was only two hours. <laughs> Nobody wants to sit for four hours, especially if you enjoy going to bat and practice and you enjoy trying to catch foul balls and bat and practice and all that stuff. They get, it, 
we well, have to come up to speed. Well, and, and, and let me let me let me just correct you on this. I I wouldn't mind. I don't think Keith would mind sitting at a game for four hours if there was four hours worth of action. If it was a thirteen inning game that took four hours, there's a chance we're going to say, yeah, that was great. It's when you give us the same amount of action, except you spread it out over a longer period of time because batters are taking their time and pitchers are taking their time. And I did a little research because I'm that weird. But I think this is interesting research, and I'm going to do it for you so you don't have to do it. That's my attitude on life. You can make fun of me all you want for this research, but I guarantee you're going to tell your friend at the office tomorrow about this, and you're never going to have to look it up because you're going to trust Uncle Levin. Are you ready, Keith? Yes. Because you're going to use this too. Sure. I went back and looked at some of the biggest moments in baseball history. I went back and looked at Carlton Fisk's home run in the 1975 World Series. I looked back at Mookie Wilson's at-bat against the Red Sox in 86. I even looked back at Mike Piazza's at-bat against Mariano Rivera in the 2000 World Series. Hate to be a jerk. I looked back at Luis Gonzalez's at-bat against Mariano Rivera in the 01 World Series. And I played a game. I said, how long did it take in between pitches? Because one of the arguments I've heard is, what about those dramatic moments? Late in the game, World Series. I just gave you five of the most dramatic moments in the history of baseball. What if I told you that every single pitch with men on base, because all those situations except for Fisk had men on base, they would have been fine with the pitch clock. What if I told you that in the Mookie at-bat, here was the time in between pitches. And remember, first and third, game six of the World Series, the Sox are a strike away from winning, an out away from winning. Here's the time in between pitches. 11 seconds. Not bad. Nine seconds, 16 seconds, ooh, 11 seconds, 13 seconds, 13 seconds. Then the wild pitch, then there was a mound visit. 19 seconds, followed by nine seconds. Every pitch in the Mookie Wilson at bat fit the pitch clock. Carlton Fisk, 8.5 seconds. Luis Gonzalez against Mariano Rivera. After Luis called a timeout, he did. 10 seconds. Piazza with Rivera just made it at 20, right at the buzzer. Every big moment in baseball history, at least the ones I looked at, all were fine. Didn't need a pitch clock. That's the point. They didn't need it because they were fine in those moments where guys were working faster. So for anyone who tells you this line of BS of what about the great moments, what about the World Series, what about this, what about that, here's a simple answer. We never needed a pitch clock because everybody was throwing the baseball or getting in the batter's box in an amount of time that made it acceptable. With the world watching, it's the World Series. You know, we're not we're not randomly at Kauffman Stadium and it's uh, Royals versus White Sox in August where everyone's just sitting in the sun. Like, let's go. There, there already was a pace of play, a sense of urgency. That's all I keep saying around the pitch clock. A sense of urgency. It makes it urgent. You are competing. These pitchers are trying to get a strike by you. These hitters are trying to get on base. And in the biggest moments, I would hope that somebody at Major League Baseball did the work that Evan did, and they said, hey, this is where we're going to set the pitch clock, and it's not going to change the big moments. These guys in the beginning just have to get acclimated to it, and off we go. We're off to the races with it. Yeah, it's why the pitch clock is not something new and generational. The pitch clock is getting us back to where we should be. That's what I'm saying. Seeing it is the thing for me. Yeah. Just don't show people. Show it in spring training, but I get that. if it's not on the screen, it, it will become something that we don't even think about. You don't think about, like, okay, before a delay of the game, it's the same thing in the NFL. Before a delay of game, you see the clock pop up where it's like, hey, you got to get the ball off. 
But you don't, you're not thinking about the play clock when they have time. If they want to flash it when it's seven seconds that's or fine. less, that's fine. That's fine. I don't know the right answer for that. You know, you want to only wait till there's seven seconds left, or you want to show it at all times. I haven't formed an opinion on it yet because it's only been a couple of days. But the one thing I know is that the pace of play is freaking awesome. And it's what it's baseball help. was supposed to be. That's what it meant to be. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 